Welcome everyone to another edition of Four Guys in a Comic. This is Red. I'm here with my th other three cohorts of crime. I've got Rusty. Say hi, Rusty. Howdy. You've got Tap. Hello. And of course, the man of mystery himself. The man that all men want to be and all women want. The man called Nova. Mm -hmm. Hail Nova, folks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, how's it going? Very good, very good. Great. Solid. It's been yeah, it's been a good week. Yeah, it has. Great week for comics. Well, what week isn't a great week for comics? That's true. And comic a week with no comics. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the DC's rebirth going on, am I right? My God. Always a good week. <laughs> well, what's going on in rebirth? What's some of the news? What's some of the interesting stuff? Okay, that's actually oh, one Lord. thing I wanted to talk about tonight, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So as you guys know, me and Nova, we do the DC, the the Rebirth Pod Weekly, and we're able to do that because DC grants us review copies and things, you know, and it's awesome that they do that. So this week, me and Nova were super excited to read the new Superman that's coming out, or was it Action Comics? I think it's Action Comics. Uh, action comics, yeah, it's yeah. the new Action Comics that's coming out. We were super excited to read it because we're like, oh my god, we're going to like find out before anybody else what's going on with this fake clark kent right so we're super jazzed we get it done recording the other night and we're like all right we're gonna go read it right now go to pull it up and in the email that dc sent us for the review copies it says oh you might have noticed the title missing well stay tuned for early <laughs> next week when we send it out and drop the bombshell on who is clark kent and then like it's like they have like black bars like telling you like who it is, but you can't see it because it's just black bars going across. And I'm like, you yeah. bastards. So sucks, we're going to find out. <laughs> if I had to guess, they're probably going to send us the review copy on Tuesday. So we're probably going to find out at, like literally maybe 24 hours before anybody else. And uh, that's like the big thing right now is who is this fake Clark Kent? Like that is the... That is the big, big thing. And I'm just going to go out here and on a limb. I'm going to say I, it's granny goodness. That's that's my <laughs> that's my guess. What do you sure. think, Nova? Who do you guess? I don't know, man. I just have no idea. I just want to find out who it is and what's going to happen with John. Oh, come on. you got. Oh, yeah, exactly. you got to give us like a crazy <laughs> yeah. random guess. Like, like granny goodness. I is told that you, a, man. Is that a real I, guess? I, I, no. Yeah, that's, I mean, if that's, I don't know, man. You want a real guess? I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's like Lex Luthor went through some hardcore plastic surgery and he's got a clone <laughs> of himself in the Superman armor. It's just, I have this huge conspiracy theory, but it's probably not going to be what actually happens. I hope it's good because that also brings up, uh, I guess at this point, the reason what Nick Fury whispered into Thor's ears. Yes. We find out. that out this week too. It's already been read. Yes, yeah. looking forward to that one. That one's going to be a hot issue. Well, and by the Hopefully. time you guys hear this, we'll we'll know the answer <laughs> yeah. to all these questions yeah. by the time you guys listen. Absolutely. Let's just hope it's not something ridiculous. God, I hope they put so wait, thought into this. The issue comes out. Okay, it comes it's out Pat. this week. Yeah, I didn't know it was this nope, week. it's this week. Okay. So everybody's okay. going to know by the time they hear this pod. Because okay, you guys, just for a little behind the scenes, FYI, we record on Sunday nights. As we all know, comics come out on Wednesdays. Podcast comes out on Saturday. So there you go. That's why we don't know everything yet, because we're still waiting just like you all. 
Yep, we're, we're learning it when you learn it. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but if I had to guess what he said to Thor, I'm going to say it's, for those of you Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, <clears throat> I'm going to say it's, you've been to Tahiti. That's, that's my guess. <laughs> you've been to no. Tahiti. <laughs> to Tahiti. Well, well, we shall see. It'll be interesting. Something to be talking about next week, obviously. Maybe, well, okay, I gotta ask yeah, something though. Sure. I've on the front cover, it has Thanos on it. Has Thanos been in the no. book? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Okay. But as we all know, covers are super misleading. Yes. Yeah, but still, it has Thanos on it. Watch yeah. it be oh, Thanos is your daddy. Like, Oh no! You're not worthy. Thanos is your daddy. Oh boy! Oh my gosh! You're a clone of Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> the Thor conspiracy. You're the ultimate Thor. You're not Earth six one six Thor. I wonder what it could be. I really that bugs me because especially with what's going on in Thanos right now, I feel like the Thanos title is gonna end up building around everything i guess and come full circle through all of them see my the only thing that i could think of is you know let's go back to where it came from and the storyline when nick fury whispered into his ear and how nick fury was what was he really well he was the quote-unquote watcher but yeah but fly on the wall there was all those clones Yeah, yeah but uh jason aaron said in an interview that he's had this written down, what he said to Thor, uh, what Fury said to Thor. He's had this written down in a notebook for years. He said this actually dates all the way back to his Thor God of Thunder series. Mm-hmm. So when the big reveal happens, apparently, from what he said, is if you go back and you read, or if you remember the Thor God of Thunder series, you'll kind of see like clues and hints dropped along the way. Um, so apparently, he's been kind of like leading you yeah he's been hinting at like six cents cool. style and then the big reveal is coming up so yeah mm-hmm. yeah i say thor was has died and, he, and it's really a clone that's what i'm saying you've been he, to tahiti and he doesn't and he yeah he doesn't realize he was a clone yeah you've mm-hmm. been to tahiti so anyway so uh what else is going on guys what else is happening in the world of comics these days Logan made eighty-five I mean, million dollars opening weekend. That is crazy, right? I still haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think me and Nova are the only ones. We won't say much about the movie, so but good. eighty-five million opening weekend for a rated R comic book movie, a Fox comic book movie, mind you. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be begging him to stay. <laughs> Please don't yeah. go. No, it's the most money think- Fox has made it. On an opening weekend, I think in history. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think they're good. I think this was definitely Hugh Jackman's swan song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about? Well, Patrick Stewart said he is done, but then recently he came out and was like, if they wanted me to do a feature as Professor X in a Deadpool movie, he would probably think about doing it. <clears throat> That's probably because he wants to... Well, once you see Logan, you'll understand. I think he, like... <clears throat> I think with yeah. Logan, he had a lot of fun with the Professor X character. And when you see Logan, you'll know exactly what I mean. And so I think he just had so much fun playing that version of Professor X that he's like, if I could be a rated R Professor X, this could be fun. <laughs> you know? Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So that was a good movie. Oh, it was great. It was great. So yeah, you guys need to go definitely, see it. Definitely, definitely don't bring your kids. Just even for the sake of other people watching, no one wants to hear a kid say, "They're all dead," uh, after uh, you know a little action scene. Um, did you have a it's kid? Definitely got. Did you have a kid in your there theater? There was a kid like. Yeah, two oh. rows behind me, and she'd be like, Mommy, that's a lot of blood. Oh. Everyone's just sort of like, Oh, yeah, your kids really should not be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why there's ratings like, on them. Infants. Like, yeah, like, it, it just, it sort of, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, don't take your kids. Yeah, I mean, to this day, my kids have yet to see the Deadpool movie, and I still won't let them. Yeah, I won't let my kid either. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's yeah. a good idea. And I let my kid watch horror movies idea. with me. <laughs> I won't let him watch Deadpool. Yeah. Because ladies and gentlemen, Deadpool is not for kids. <laughs> speaking Wise of Deadpool. Of Steve Rogers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Deadpool, I can't believe this is like a it's it's almost funny at this point. So um on various websites they sort of said that Rob Liefeld's returning with Deadpool Bad Blood, this original graphic novel he's been working on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I saw this exact same thing two years ago. And I checked back. It wasn't two years ago, but like November of 2015, it was announced Rob Liefeld's doing this original graphic novel. He's taking forever with this thing. I didn't even think it was coming out anymore. It's going to be his magnum. No, but you know opus. how hard it is to draw feet? It takes him at least two <laughs> years to get one foot done. Yeah. I have to say, though. His faces nowadays look so weird. Like they all have that um, Heroes Reborn mm-hmm. kind of look. Oh. And, and it, it can't do the shading on the cheeks right. That's what I yeah. figured. Come can't on, do the shading on the cheeks, and he can't shape the nose very well. Oh, how, man. how many hours does it take to do the do all those pouches on just one character? He doesn't do as many pouches. Hey, I'm not gonna right. lie. I he like the pouches, people. Yeah, me it's too. It's nostalgic of the nineties. It's nostalgic of the nineties. Blue and yeah. yellows, man. That's why I yeah. can't wait for Terry Parr pouch. That shit looks funny. Yeah. Well, you know what's also uh, kind of cool though, Nova, about it is that it's going to be written by the X Men ninety two guys, and then Chad Bauer, who's doing that, is also doing his Young Bloods, mm-hmm. and so uh. I think that Liefeld just really likes. Bowers and so wait, so what is he doing then? Is Liefeld just he's just drawing super spising it? Drawing it. He's just putting his name on. Well, it. he can't draw yeah, it yeah, until the pages it. are written. So why is so? Is it Liefeld's fault that it's taken a year and a half? It's probably it's probably, probably. like Marvel style or something. Knowing I don't know, I don't know how they're Liefeld probably does Liefeld stuff. has like some grand scheme. He's like, okay, we're gonna release this graphic novel, and then we're gonna release Young Bloods at the same time, and then I'm just gonna uh, roll in the money. He's already rolling in the money. Whether you like him or not, that dude's made a butt ton of money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of life and image and stuff, my gosh, image this week at Emerald City, they have announced so, so many new series that are going to be um, coming out pretty soon. Uh, some of them sound pretty good. Some of them was like, well, we'll just have to wait. But uh, what was looking here? Uh, Death of Love. That's going to be by Justin Jordan, who does Spread. That one sounds like it's going to be interesting from the little synopsis that they talked about. It's basically a guy meets Cupid, and then there's a love and war, you know, type of thing with within it. So it's a five, and it's a five issue miniseries too. So 
We'll see how that one pans well, out. Well, right now, Justin Jordan's doing savage things for uh, mm-hmm. DC's Vertigo, and only issue one is out currently. <clears throat> God dang, mm-hmm. is it good. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Lemire, a favorite of mine, he is doing a series called uh, Family Tree. Um, I didn't really see much of a synopsis on that one, but that one, you know, hey, it's Jeff Lemire, so uh, I'm have, I have high hopes for I that one. How, What's your favorite Lemire book, Red? Oh, Jesus. Uh, that's not a fair question. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't like Moon Knight. I know he does, like, you like the image stuff, but... Yeah. You weren't a fan of Moon Knight, and that bummed me out. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure you'd enjoy oh. some Moon Knight. Yeah. Descender, maybe? Okay. It's a good book. Yeah. Um, let's see what else was on the list. Uh, Flavor. That's the guy that's doing Ringside, and I really didn't like Ringside. Uh, uh, Joseph Keaton. Um, so we'll see how that one pans out. Uh, there was Generation Gone. There was Mage. Oh my gosh, yes, Mage. That one is bringing a comeback. That came out uh, from Image in the mid '90s. A uh, what was that? I think it was a 16 issue series, and it's it's coming back by Matt Wagner. So I'm really look, excited and seeing uh, how that is coming out because it's actually supposed to be the conclusion to the series that was out in the past. Uh, let's see, what we got Very nice. yeah, uh, Moonstruck. That's gonna be uh, by. Grace Ellis. We have New Lieutenants of Metal by Joe uh, Casey. We have Redlands um, by Jordi Belair. Um, Sacred Creatures, uh, Savage Town. Uh, shirt. This here's one. Shirtless Bear Fighter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That one's gonna be. Sounds like it's gonna be really good or really lame. <laughs> we shall see. Um, they announced uh, Sleepless. Uh, the Family Tree, The Hard Place, and The New World. Yo, Red. Yeah. Did you, um, speaking of like, you know, just indie writers in general and stuff, mm-hmm. did you uh, pick up uh, Brian Hill's Hulk this week? I did not. Ah, his Wait, Marvel what? You started. Mm-hmm. Brian Hill had his Marvel <laughs> really? debut on Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, he, he did. He did a uh, totally awesome Hulk mm-hmm. for uh, Marvel or Monsters Unleashed. Really? So. Mm. Yeah, he's one of the he's the top writer on it. Is it a is it a one shot? Is it a mini? What is it? I think it might be a one shot. I I think it was a one shot actually. All right, There's I'm gonna have to check it out. I like Brian Hill. I'm gonna have to check that out. There was yep, a I lot of issue. stuff this week. My God, that's the only comic I picked up this week so far because I picked that up. I saw it on the shelf when I was in that dang Titan Comics place <laughs> where I got the Man Thing and everything this week. So. Uh, yeah. Some of the ones Sweet. that came out this week that I picked up was uh, Jeff Lemire's Royal City, uh, Extremity, which actually it's sold out and it's already it's already been put uh, it sold out on Wednesday and on Thursday Image announced that it's going to second printing. Dang, uh, dang. Yeah, yeah, it, that was like quick. I have I don't think I've seen one go that quick in a while. Um, Rat Queens number one, and uh, of course Matt Hawkins Think Tank Animal number one. So, oh yeah, yeah. Plus a lot good of other week. stuff, but yeah, it was it's been a good week with uh, new titles. But I'll, I'll talk about some of them later on in the podcast. You know, stuff that I've read. Sure. <clears throat> That's cool. So, have y'all seen the solicit from Marvel for uh, Venom, uh, Venomverse? Once again, mm-hmm. Rusty, we're friends with you. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got it. But you know, Venom. I it know. looks cool. I'm I, not gonna I, lie. It looks, it looks really cool. cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited. So we're gonna have. Apparently, we're going to have a Venom from each universe 
pop in and it's going to be on different characters so we're going to have wolverine like, venom. venom wolverine <sighs> venom venom everybody who's writing it yeah, do you know um i don't know who's writing it i, I think it's i was like spider verse was awesome so if they can yeah. do Venomverse in the same type of way that they did Spider-Verse, I am all for it, dude. Spider-Verse was awesome. It was like one of the best Marvel events that I've read in a long time. I'm excited to see all the uh, Venomized X-Men that pop up. So Yeah. Some of those sound extremely overpowered, though. Like Venom like, Colossus. You know <laughs> yeah, or you know, like uh, Venom Storm. Even Ooh. that sounds scary. Okay, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. We've seen Venom Wolverine a few times, and that all sounds vicious. Yeah. But it's been done. We've seen that a few times. I see like a, I, mean, I see like a Venom Ghost Rider. I think that would cover. be yeah, epic. Venom Ghost Rider. That's happened. Yeah, I was say that's though, happened once before, Hulk. but it was Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Venom, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. But either way, that would be riding along with them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'd be super dope. But I mean, it looks cool. It makes me wonder who's gonna be under the costume for the main Venom, though, because if they're doing something like this, I really don't feel like they're gonna use the new guy, the Army Ranger. It'll guy. be Brock. It'll be Brock, probably. The stature and the way he's drawn on the cover kind of looks like Brock. Not like super over Matt Gargan, like Gargan. <laughs> and he's not in the Flash Thompson outfit. Yeah, so. the overdrawn yeah. Gargan, man, that made me so mad. He looked like oh, poop. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> he did. I'm sorry. I was not a fan of the Gargan Venom. I'm not a fan. You know what's funny is most people like that Venom. I know, and I don't understand. Thing. I see that in the chats with you, and I'm like, I side with you every time. I'm like, no way, man. Yeah. It's Brock. Brock all the way. Yeah, I mean, I like Flash even better than Yes, Gargan. yes. I did like Agent yeah. Agent Venom. That was a pretty cool take on the yeah. character. Agent Venom was cool. So I got to ask, but... has Spider-Ham uh, worn the Venom suit? Dick. I think he's worn the black suit, but it was like, you know, it looked like uh, Peter Parker Ven- in the black Venom suit. Ham. <clears throat> Venom Ham. Yeah. Venom. 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 You know, it also makes me wonder uh, how many of the symbiotes we're going to see from uh, the 616, you know, like the actual different ones like Mercury Squad or Carnage. What or, if there was a Carnage you know, Venom? Carnage. Has there? Have they, they've they've never mixed symbiotes before, have they? I don't think so. I I bet you it's happened somewhere, but I bet you it wasn't anything significant. Mm-hmm. They like keep fighting. You've seen because they've done toxin in Carnage, I think, before, but I don't know about Venom and Carnage. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm excited about it, and I mean it's supposed to be this summer, so it sounds exciting. You shall see. Sweet. I am excited for it. So what else is so in the Red, news? I was gonna say, Red, are you gonna finally read a Marvel book again? He might for Venomverse. Mm, we shall see. <laughs> He's like, mm, we shall probably see. not. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> are you gonna read Secret Empire at least, Red? We shall see. You know he's going to read Unworthy <laughs> Thor number five yes, just to find I out. Will. He will read that one. That that one is a yeah, given. That is a given. Did you pick up the? Okay, they did. Like you know how sometimes Marvel does like. The 25.1 issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. Uh, there was an Avengers issue that, I don't know if it comes out this week or if it came out last week or when, but I saw the cover for it, and it's supposed to have a uh, Nick Fury Sr. story in it, but it's like a side story. Hmm. 
So I don't know if that's something you're interested in looking into. Yeah, but, I might, uh, I, I, I mean, that's something I would pull up on like Comicology maybe to, to read. But yeah, I mean, really, only Marvel I have in my pull box anymore is Nova and uh, Star Wars. How is the new Nova? I haven't been reading it. I haven't. I'm, 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 I'm building it up. I'm building it up so mm. I can binge read. Sure. Fair, fair. Yeah. No, sometimes it's just... No, Nova's just one... Actually, I really enjoy the binge reading. We need to get sure. you like a, a a graphic novel or some or not a graphic novel a um a, an Omni of Nova or something for you. I own every Nova issue. Yeah, well, have you read every Nova issue? I have every Nova issue. But have you read every Nova yes, issue? Yes, everything except for okay. the current series um that's out. I've just been building up to Bendry. But yes, I've read. All right, I've read tell me a else. Nova fact that we probably the listeners don't know. A Nova fact. Okay, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think. Nova's brother ended up joining the core. I'm trying to remember the brother's name. Help me out here. Uh, okay, and. Oh, I have a brain fire. So let's see. <laughs> Joined the core, um, became a Nova himself, despite the, the, his parents' wishes for him not to. And then when uh, Rich Rider went missing, uh, so did the brother. And they both ended up missing. Interesting. I know nothing about Nova. Nothing Damn at me. all. <laughs> Nova, tell us a fun fact about Nova. I'm uh, pretty cool. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I know a little bit about that Nova, I guess, but yeah, yeah maybe a little bit. Let's see. Okay, yeah. Nova, the original Nova, was known as Black Nova. Came out in 1968 by Mar Wolfman's fan magazine, Super Adventures. <laughs> I have to I'll beat cool. that one to a, if that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Very cool. I'll Speaking throw it right of, back at you. Give me something about uh, Venom that uh, nobody, nobody around here knows about. Mm. Venom didn't actually start eating brains until like 1997 or 98. Before that, he was and, vegan. Well, <laughs> it was weird. It was actually started in a miniseries called The Hunger. And somehow his suit or, you know, the Venom symbiote uh, tasted someone's brains. Like, he just, I guess it actually went through with it. You know how he always used to say, I can rip you open and I'll eat your brain or whatever. Well, it's like, he used to use that as a quote. It's like Chew. He was just trying to be a Cenobite, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, he act- it actually did not eat brains until the hunger, and they even explained it in the whole the series that there is a special protein in the brain that um, the symbiote needs to survive. And they tried to run with that for a while, before they're like okay this is kind of silly he didn't need brains for (laughs) what how many years seven years before this so yeah made no sense so they got rid of it but yeah he started eating brains it was in the hunger i don't remember if it was 97 98 oh here's a fact actually most people not realize the nova core used home base used to be inside of ego the living brain the planetoid guy you know they'd be in like in his brain area they kind of basically took him over and they made his <clears throat> celestial body, whatever you want to call it, their home base for quite a while. Poor Kurt Russell. See, that's weird. <laughs> that's so weird. Because, wait, Galactus put a motor in Ego, and that's how Ego could travel. Okay? Uh, he was devouring a planet one day, and Ego was nearby, and Galactus didn't want to deal with Ego, so he shoved a giant motor in him. 
and then shot him off into space away from him so he could eat the planet in peace. Okay? And that's how he actually got the motor inside him to uh, travel from place to place. So I wonder if they were abusing that motor. They are just like, oh. (laughs) All right, Cosmic Rusty, do me a favor. Explain something. What's up? How the heck is Kurt Russell ego? Um, is this a movie I, thing only, or is this like something in the comics where he can become like he can have like a human form? Okay, so um, there's two different. I think ego originally was a person that was turned into a planet. If I think that's the original thing, but then eventually it turned into that ego can manifest whatever he wants on the surface of his own planet. So, like, if you land mm. on ego, he can create a human form to pop up. So, kind of like you. Swamp. Yes, thing. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Like yeah. Swamp thinking, like create like little like things that come up out of the. Gr- okay, I see. What and you're he, but the thing is, he can create anybody. So, like, he could create an army of people if he wanted on the surface of his planet to just kill you. So, if that's the case, then potentially in Guardians 2, they land on Ego. On him. And that's and you why. Know, okay. Okay, and this is the thing. That makes more um, sense. You know the part where uh, Baby Groot has the bomb and they're in the little hole? Yes. I think he's running through Ego to the center of Ego with it. Oh, okay. So, now, in theory, then... But what? So in theory, then Peter's mom must have somehow gotten on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's and what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that they are going with that originally he was the person and then got turned into the planet. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, thank you for explaining. I was seriously confused. I had, I was like, how does this work? I'm, I'm very confused. Yep. yep, so there's two ways that they're probably going to do it. They're probably going to go with that origin, and then they're probably going to have it to where they land on him and they have a giant fight, and then his dad helps him by manifesting things on the planet. Or he's just evil. And they want to blow him up. One of the two. Rusty, did you write the script and not tell us? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? That's why Rusty's a bala right now. Yeah. He just literally made up the movie right now as he went along with it and did what they did and got paid for. Wow. So yeah, there you exactly. go. I should have put me That's in cool. the damn writing room. The They're saving you for one. Silver Surfer, man. Once they have Silver yeah. Surfer, that's when you're getting the call. They have someone waiting with the button to call your number, call your house as soon as they <laughs> get those. They have like the red Batman phone, and they pick it up. It rings straight <laughs> to Rusty. Straight to Rusty. Nice. But, Rusty, you got a choice. Do you want to write Silver Surfer or do you want to write Warlock? Pick one. Ooh. <laughs> I would probably honestly write um, Adam Warlock. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Everyone wants to write Warlock because oh, he they just up. destroyed the red phone, man. They just destroyed <laughs> the red phone. <laughs> I would still write Surfer. I would. Still oh, it's too late. You can't backtrack. Too you, late. You chose too Warlock. Late. Game over. Warlock. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I think the reason why so many people want to write Warlock is because the, both the times that he had his own series, it was done by Starlin. So, like, no one else has really mm. had an opportunity to write Warlock besides mm. Starlin, and then obviously Roy Thomas. You know, so yeah. Well, you just did a choose your own adventure book, and you picked the ending, and it's now your yeah. game over. <laughs> you said the wrong answer. No, that's cool. As long as the surfer one isn't for Fox, maybe I could save Fox a little bit though. Ooh, Rusty, the savior of Fox. There you go. Not only is he a we're guardian, we're talking about Eros. He's he's the guardian of Fox. There you go. <laughs> 
Oh, super cool. Have you been reading Green Lanterns, Rusty? Or no, you've been reading uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. I'm two issues behind on Hal Jordan, though. Have you read any of the Green Lanterns? Read the first issue. Okay. Fast forward a few. Like, me and Nova said it's kind of a slow start, but once you get into it, it really picks up, and you, you'll you get to read all about yourself. Rusty the, the Guardian. You'll see exactly yeah, what man. we mean. Very dope. They claim his name's Rami, but we think that's just to protect the innocent. Like yeah. we we know that it's really rusty. Yeah, yeah. That's how you pronounce it in uh, that and, language. And Earth, it's actually <laughs> rusty. <laughs> the Earth translation, rusty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. awesome. Any other good news for this last week? <clears throat> Oh, I think about no. top of my head. No. Well then, why don't we pick up our bat phone and make a telephone call? The man thing phone. The man thing phone. Pick up the grab my Howard man the thing duck phone. Place a call. Howard the duck phone. All right, gracious listeners, it is that time of the podcast where we're going to talk to a uh, very special guest. Uh, and this week, we've got someone who, um, you know, has created one of these characters that we actually had the pleasure of talking about a couple of weeks ago on uh, Fork Found Movie Reviews. Um, we talked about the movie, Howard the Duck. And today we've got uh, the co-creator, uh, Val, hopefully I don't mispronounce your last name, Merrick, uh, on the show with us. Uh, welcome, Val. Oh, thanks. Good to be here. Um, yeah, sorry if I mispronounced your last name. It's um, no, I it's just pronounced phonetically the way it's spelled, right. the way it looks. Yeah. Now, now, um, for people who may not be familiar with your name or you know strictly Howard the Duck, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history in the uh, comic book and uh, I guess commercial art uh, industry. Well, I got started in 1972. It seems like Probably, you know, probably you guys weren't even born then, I'm sure. Um, it doesn't seem that long ago to me because I'm, I was in my 20s and I thought I was going to live forever and life was great. So, but I um, I managed to meet Dan Atkins, who had been an inker uh, and a penciler for Marvel and DC and Warren Comics um, and the, throughout the early and late 60s. And he kind of mentored me into, I wouldn't say mentored, but I, I worked with him and he just helped me get, you know, get, get my work looked at at Marvel. And uh, it just so happened that it was really uh, just a stroke of luck, just right place, right time. Because at that time, Marvel was looking for just a lot of newer talent. Um, and it was the time when Bernie Wrightson, Barry Smith, uh, Rich Buckler, Craig Russell, Paul Glacey, we all kind of got in within about under about a three or four year window, and um, so it was just uh, it was it was a, just it was a pretty lucky happenstance. And I began to work for Marvel almost immediately in '72, and continued to work for Marvel. I think well into the late '80s, early '90s, and um, but but by that time I had also branched out and done a lot of work with other comic book publishers 
Um, and uh, then in the 90s, gaming companies, of course, primarily Wizards of the Coast. Um, and then when the comic book industry hit the, hits the skids, when the bubble burst big time there in the, about the mid-90s, I kind of transitioned over to advertising and did storyboard work for a long time, about 15 years, didn't do any comics at all. And uh, recently, just through a set of a series of circumstances, um, having moved to Texas and uh, met a whole bunch of different people and made connections and got invited to some conventions, um, now I'm kind of back in the business, um, just about full time. So <clears throat> that's, that's the arc of the career in terms of any, I don't know if you wanted to know any information uh, regarding any specific projects or characters or writers I work with or anything, or if you have, your, if you, if you have questions about that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you've worked on, uh, you know, most, most uh, for me, I'm a huge Man-Thing fan. Um, so I know, you know, your artwork is absolutely perfect for that character. Um, you know, Howard the Duck is also a huge presence now in, uh, in comic books. I don't know if you've been keeping up with his, uh, his ongoing series now or, you know, his seeing him appear at the end credits of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. How's that been? Um, I guess how does it feel to to see you know a character you co-created sort of brought to life on the, the big screen for the second time? That was really um, very exciting, and and a lot of fans I talked to at conventions they think that I, I knew that I was you know privy to this um, that I was somehow involved in. <laughs> but Steve and I, well, of course Steve Gerber's passed away. But even prior to that, Steve and I had no no. Um, uh, connection or, or involvement with any anything that was going on with that character. So when it, when it showed up at the end, and then when Steve and, and my name showed up like that on the screen, it was quite a shock, actually. Um, and uh, I, I, I wasn't prepared for that. It certainly revived interest in, in my work, and um, it, it's, it's been really gratifying to be go to, to shows now and have so many people that were just little kids or, or just, you know, young teenagers when they first read those books approach me and, and want to sketch and an autograph and tell me how much they enjoyed that character and how much um, they, they liked the man thing and all that stuff. And it just, you know, really was a, was a hallmark of their, of their younger years. Um, you know, at the time I was doing it, I had no idea that it would, that it would, um, um, echo so far into the future. So, kind of going back into Man Thing, um, when you were introduced, I guess, to Man Thing in Adventures into Fear, I believe it was. I think you were following Jim Starlin at the time on the book. Um, how were you introduced to uh, Man Thing and asked to be a part of uh, Adventure into Fear? Uh, I, I really don't remember, but it, you know, at that time, keeping my Marvel was a much smaller entity and uh it really was um uh ju- just some guy you know john ramita stanley and roy thomas in a, in a small office in manhattan with some you know with a bunch of um with a bunch of uh studio guys you know doing corrections on original artwork there were no no computers then and no no computerization of 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 the uh, of the imagery and i'm sure at some point um it was either Roy or Steve who probably um, suggested me as the artist. I don't recall that it was Starlin or I think it might have been Mike Plug who I followed Maybe. on that book. I'm not sure. Um, 
And, um, you know, I, I really wanted to do Conan when I got into comics. I got into comics, I mean, one, one, of, the, one of the major motivations for me to do comic books was I loved sword and sorcery stuff. And that was really, you know, finally coming to the fore in, in, com, in the comic book um, world. And I wanted to do Conan. And right when I got into business, uh, Barry Smith was just about ready to quit Conan. But then they gave it to John Buscema, who, you know, and John Buscema was, and still is in my mind, one of the king comic book, king of comic book illustrators. So I knew I wasn't going to get it from Buscema, but I did manage to get a few fill-ins later, later on. Mm-hmm. But I, I, they, Marvel kind of um, looked for a, a sword and sorcery character for me to do, which turned out to be Thungor. And I did, I don't know how many issues of Thungor, but then it, it, that was canceled. And um, I, I just was looking for a new character to do. And uh, either it was either Roy or Steve who called me and said, would you want to do Man Thing? And um, a couple with that was the fact that I was also, I think, at that time doing their movie monster licensing a series of books, Frankenstein, the Werewolf, um, Dracula. I was doing Frankenstein and the Living Mummy. And I think they thought that, you know, my, my style of doing the monsters would work well with Man Thing. I didn't know anything about the character until... Steve actually sent me a synopsis and said, well, here's the history of this character. Here's how he came about. Um, and uh, so I just said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I needed a new character to, to work on, and that sounded fine to me. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, that is cool. Because I remember, when I was younger, I remember in the late 70s picking up Conan. I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is just amazing. And I remember just really thoroughly enjoying reading Conan and Kazar, which I know you also did some work on, too. Excellent right, titles. Right. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. You just got to love that sort of stuff. Well, thanks. Yeah, I really like working on Kazar. I really, really liked that. Yeah, I, I just was never, I never have been, nor am I now, nor will I ever be enthusiastic about superheroes. Um, I, I, I've done one Spider-Man book in my entire career, <laughs> and, and I did some sort of X-Men spinoff back in the mid-'80s. I, it was it was. One of the spinoffs where the X Men were they were there were kids kids being X Men X kids I don't know I don't know I remember what it was <laughs> but um, I, I've just never been uh, it, it's just never been my cup of tea to work on superheroes and of course that's you know that's where all the excitement is now is, as far as trans you know these, these gravitating to cinema but um, I always you know when I was a kid I read Superman and Batman but I always felt like comic books had a, a such a wide potential in terms of you know different kinds of genres and i also like detective comics and i like the old classics history comics and i liked um western comics and i and i i always felt like that would be something i would like to do and uh and there seems to be there was just you know less and less of that and now you, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on in, in the uh in the independent and, and creator own world, but a lot of it isn't very prolific. You know, a lot of it's not doing that well financially. So it, it, you, you really have to take a chance with that stuff. Um, you know, the, the big, the big sellers and the, and the ones that are really creating the most, you know, getting the most attention are of course, still the superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the stuff that you've done and just talking to you now about what you enjoy, I'm actually kind of surprised you never did anything with Sergeant Fury. It's something I can actually see you have worked on. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't either. I, I, I don't recall that I was ever offered a Sergeant Fury. I, I wasn't a huge fan. I, I like, you know, 
what, what I tried to do at one point, and, and not and unsuccessfully, was to do a Sergeant Rock with DC. Oh, I um, love Sergeant Rock too. Yeah, Russ, Russ Heath was doing Sergeant Rock at the time, and I met Russ at a at a convention. And uh, Russ was, I don't even know if Russ is still alive. I know he's quite old now, but Russ was, you know, quite a senior guy. I mean, I was in my 20s. Russ, I think, was in his 40s. And, um, but still a very active, very vital artist. And um, I, I, um, I don't recall exactly if I asked Russ. Or I, I, I just didn't have any inroads at D.C. And uh, I was hoping to be able to do a, a, a Sergeant Rock or some war comic at, at that time, a World War II comic. And, mm-hmm. Nothing ever came of it, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I you know, Sergeant Fury. I think didn't didn't Starenko do some Sergeant Fury stuff real early on? Back yeah, in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, and Roy uh, Thomas did a lot too. Well, Roy Roy wrote it, but I mean, Starenko drew it, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know who I don't know who drew it after that, but I, I know that Jim Starenko created a kind of a a precedent for that character. You know, it made it you know very sci-fi looking as opposed mm-hmm. to gritty soldier stuff, you know, yeah. at least, at least the stuff that I recall. Um, so that, that might've had something to do with it. I, I don't know. Well, they're lost. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, yeah. you mentioned earlier that sort of with, with these reappearances of Howard the duck and the, you know, it's sort of revitalized, um, I guess your, your, your career in, in comics, is there anything you've been, uh, sort of working on recently in, in the comic book industry? Uh, yeah, quite a bit of stuff. Um, I did a, a short six-part um, mini-series when I, when actually my first job back into the business um, proper was for IDW. I did a, a Zombies versus Robots mini-series, um, and I had a lot of fun with that. Um, then First Comics is is um, back on the map. And they are relaunching all the characters they did in the 80s, um, the Badger being one of them. And Mike Barron, who created the Badger, is a good friend of mine, and he asked me if I wanted to do a Badger series. So I did. There was a Badger series that was begun by another artist, and he, in the second or third issue, he quit. So I finished up that series. And um, I really haven't looked at it that closely it's been published I, I didn't like it a lot because of the coloring um i think i think computer coloring is is as much as it's improved the coloring process because because the coloring process when i was first into comics of course was horrible it was just that four color separation on you know toilet papers you know quality comic you know pay paper and i um and so computer coloring in the hands of, of someone who knows what they're doing who has a light touch can, can be great, but um, when they over-render it, it just drives me crazy. Um, they, you know, I, I still come from the school of, of, of comic book illustration where, you know, the line, the line quality defines the form. Um, not all the time, but, but, but many times, and, and especially when it comes to human faces and um, the detail in, you know, in the muscles and, uh, and the textures of, of wood and so forth and so on, and Sometimes the line is, is enough, you know, to, to um, describe what's there. And these colorist guys, they, some of these guys, they, they're, I don't think they've ever done any kind of coloring with actual paint or ink, but they, they just, they've only done computer coloring, and they, they learn one way of doing it, and they go in there and they just try to render, you know, 
the form of the muscles over top of what's already been rendered, you know, with the line, and they can they just kill it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what happened with a couple of issues of this Badger series. And I, but I'm working on a second series now, which is really a lot of fun. Mike Barron's a crazy writer. He just writes crazy, funny stories. Um, and um, I'm hoping that it's, it's inked by, by um, it's, I inked the those last two issues of the first series. The second series, Bob Wyacek, who is also a veteran about my age, who is inking it. He's done a really nice job. And I just hope they, they get a colorist who uh, knows what they're doing. Um, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm penciling the third issue now. I'm sorry, I'm penciling the fourth issue of a five-issue series. Um, I don't know when it's going to be released, but there's that. And um, also, I completed a graphic novel quite a while ago, and I just finally got the book published. It was a, a Kickstarter campaign I did with a writer friend of mine back in Oregon where I was living in Portland. We did a um, historical um, book on the Little Bighorn, and it it's, um, turned out to be a really, really nice graphic novel. We just got the books back from the printer, and uh, it's a great book. It's just a good-looking book. We... we um, change the format a bit. It, it's not the portrait, the typical portrait um, format that you would see in comics, the more vertical format. It's, it's a horizontal format, the landscape format. And um, we're just now deciding, we're, we're sending books out to, the, to, of course, our contributors at the, from the Kickstarter campaign. And uh, eventually we're going to put them up on, a, put the books up on um, our Facebook and take orders and sell them that way. And also I'll be taking books to conventions. So, I've, I really should put more of this information about it on my Facebook page, but until we actually got the books back from the printer, we didn't want to do anything because you know we, the books, well, the, well, the printer we used was in China, and they had to take, you know, they had, they came back on a freight on a boat, and so we wanted to make sure they got here safely before we said, hey, hey, yeah. hey, gang, you know, the books are in, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, and. So within the next couple of weeks, you'll see, a, you know, I'm on my Facebook, and uh, Graphic Novel itself has its own Facebook um, title, which is Blood and Dust, which is the name of the book. Um, and that that um, was a long project. It took me a long time to do it, um, but it, 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 I think it turned out pretty well, um, especially the, the, the book itself. We hired a book designer to actually, you know, uh, design the covers and a lot of the interior stuff other than the, the other than the storytelling art and it, uh, it's a nice looking book um, I did a lot of painting uh, some paintings for it so that's out and then also keeping with the memory of Steve Gerber and Howard the Duck Steve and I did a, a series back in I guess it was like 84 85 called Boyd Indigo I don't know if any of you were, remember that or, or, or recall that does that ring a bell no, it does not. Okay. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a series that from the epic comic line that Marvel had going in the in, in the eighties, and Archie Goodwin was the editor of that. And there was a series called Void Indigo that that Steve wanted to do, and um, it's a kind of a science fiction sword and sorcery fantasy. It's it's a, it's a weird it's it's a really weird, pretty dense story uh, storyline. We started that out. We introduced it with a graphic novel, and then it was supposed to be a, a, a six-issue arc of, of epic comics in the comic book line. And Steve, who is, was just notoriously, notoriously, egregiously late 
was so late on the scripts that, that um, Archie had to cancel the book. Um, I mean, I mean, Steve wasn't just like a week or two weeks or, or late. He was like three months late. You know, and when you're working that far behind, and then I had to do all the catching up, it just became an un, uh, you know just uh, an unworkable situation. And uh, Archie had to cancel the book after the first two comics were were published and distributed. So that that was that, and I forgot about it. It was it was not a pleasant experience dealing with with uh, being late all the time like that, and, and having that kind of pressure on me. And but then it turned out about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine who plums the internet in depth found uh, on some some old old um, like um, bulletin board, which is like where people would post things way back when the internet was not even quite the internet yet. And he found the four scripts, remaining scripts, the Gerber scripts of Void Indigo. Hmm. And um, we 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 didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do with it. So I, I called uh, I called Steve's attorney who manages his estate, and I and I let him know about this. And everybody was told to kind of keep it under their hat, but of course secrets don't don't stay secret very long, which is why I don't believe in conspiracy theories because someone always opens their mouth. I don't care. I don't care who they are. <laughs> oh. And, um, and, uh, <clears throat> so IDW called me and said, we understand these, these four scripts have been re rediscovered. And, um, would you be interested in, uh, finishing them off, continuing the series? And I said, yeah, yeah, of course I would. And, uh, I'm sure Steve would be, you know, uh, you know had Steve been alive, he'd have been thrilled to death with that. And, um, so IDW, their plan was to reprint um, all of the um, uh, existing Void Indigo material, all of the existing Void Indigo material, and then pick up the uh, last four issues with original, you know, with original work. And um, I actually thought that was great. And I called uh, Steve's attorney and let them let him know what was going on. And this guy is one of the most notorious procrastinators in the world. Um, anybody that well, I won't mention his name here, but through the grapevine, you can find out who it is, and everybody has the same story. Like, man, this guy, geez, he, what's, he, he's just, he's just, he lets things drag so long that the, the deals are just killed left and right. Um, and so I was pretty, this has been almost a year, um, we, he, he was dragging his feet with a deal that could have been closed in three weeks. Mm. Um, and IDW, IDW was ready to drop the whole damn thing and just let it die. They were so, they were so, um, basically disgusted with the whole situation. Yeah. Finally, finally, uh, two weeks ago, Steve got, uh, or this guy was able to finish the deal. What, well, he was able to get Steve, Steve's daughter, Steve Rivers' daughter too, who is the existing estate of, of Steve and to sign the contract. And so now it's a go, it's actually going to go. So. In the next month or so, the, 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 we, they, um, IDW hired um, a, a young writer named Kevin McCarthy. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, I wasn't, but from what I understand, he's a pretty good writer. I've read a few of his things, and he's, he's, he's a good writer, and he was a friend of Steve's. And so Kevin will be fleshing out the scripts. Um, the scripts didn't have, like, captions and, and dialogue. They, they were pretty much more or less outlines. And so Kevin's going to be um Finishing off the script, sending them to me, and I'm going to be finishing these last four issues of Void Indigo, published and distributed through IDW. So we'll see where that goes. Um, it could, 
if it sells, you know, if it, if, it, if it becomes somewhat popular, it could continue as a series for a while, or or it may go nowhere, but at least it's going to be complete. At least it's it's some some legacy of Steve's that, that isn't left hanging. Um, that's a cool little resolution. That's cool. Yeah. So that's Very what's cool. happening with me in comics at this point. Very cool. It Very is exciting. Cool. That it sounds very exciting. It sounds like you got a lot going on. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. I also, I also, I, I also do Western art. I do cowboy art, and, and um, I've always liked horses and, and uh, you know the, the Western motifs and the Western myths. And uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a gallery in Fort Worth that represents my work there as well. And um, so that's going. That's going. Uh, Pretty well, so yeah, I'm, I'm keeping busy, but it seems like um, it seems like sometimes it's hard to keep my head above water. I get so much, you know. There's it just it's just when I was in advertising, I was in, did storyboard work for like 15 years, and that is the deadlines are, are usually like today or the next day, you know. So you just mm-hmm. get a bunch of work and you and you hustle, hustle, and then it's done, and then you take a break, and the next job comes in, but then. But with comic books, of course, the deadlines are, can be months away, you know, and, and so you get two or three projects going and you think, oh, I got plenty of time. I got two months on this one and three months on this one. But if you don't juggle them just right, you suddenly find yourself stuck, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you ignored one for too long and, you know, forgot about the other one. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm finally coming to terms with that again. I'm finally getting back the way the scheduling used to be when I first got into business, you know. But... Other than that, yeah, it's it's fun. It's been great. Now, Val, I want to circle back for a second. Now, you mentioned you had a gallery in Fort Worth. Is that uh, just some of your Western art that you're enjoying, or we can see some original art from that you've done throughout the years? What's in your gallery? Oh, it's just Western art. It's Western art. It's rodeo cool. stuff. It's cowboy stuff. Um, also, I'm doing a series of um, paintings of cowboys and dinosaurs, which. Um, which well, I won't go into that real much right now. Too much right now. I'm going to put that, a lot of that on my Facebook pretty soon. But um, that's going to be fun. I mean, that I've already got one where I've got seven cowboys trying to rope a Tyrannosaurus, um, and uh, it, it's it, it it may you know I'm just right now just the just just the imagery, just the just the paintings are what I'm working on. But um, I have I know too many writer friends who say, oh man, this could make a great graphic novel. <laughs> so. We'll see what happens with that. I so we're gonna know, see something like right now. So we're gonna see something like Gene Autry versus Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, I mean, it was it it it, it will be almost like yeah, because the cowboys I'm painting are not contemporary like rodeo cowboys. They're 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 more of these 1920s 30s looking type guys. You know, the old um, John Ford type looking cowboys, and mm-hmm. uh, so you know. I'm just I'm just enjoying it, and uh, my gal the gallery owner really likes it. He really thinks it's it's a it's a it's a good way. You, you know, tr- Western art buyers and collectors tend to be very traditional and very traditional in their in their outlook. And they some of the people come into the gallery and have can't make heads or tails of why he would even have something like that in there. Other people who or more in tune with the way things move these days, when which, you know, genres cross over all the time. You've got mm-hmm. comic book characters in movies and video game characters in books. And, you know, it, there, there's, there's, there's so many cross pollinations of, of genres. There's almost no reason not to 
to uh, combine some of them. And um, so some of the people that come to the gallery love it. They just love the stuff. And um, and that's, that's, so that will be the one aspect of the, of the art that he has in mind that would reflect, be reflective of, you know, my, my prior work in comics and science fiction, you know, illustration and stuff like that. Um, uh, but but other than that, the rest of it is is pretty much straightforward, um, you know, Western art. Uh, some of the stuff I've kind of tried to do make it look a little bit nostalgic, a little bit like the um, the um, the old pulp Western, co- you know, um, painted covers that were on the old pulp Western novels back in the uh, in the 30s, mm-hmm. and um, that. That nostalgia stuff apparently is popular as well. So <clears throat> we'll see where all it goes. It's just it's it's fun just having a it's fun having a a place to put your work. You know that that people want. You know the people can see it. Do you um, happen to know the uh, name of the uh, gallery offhand? I actually live in Denton, Texas, which is about fifteen to twenty minutes from Fort Worth. So that might be something interesting for me to check out. It's uh, yeah. It's on the adobe. It's called the Adobe. Western Art Gallery. Very and cool. And they are, they are temporarily, they're right in the uh, Stockyard District. They're, they're temporarily closed because they're moving. Um, they're, they were kind of on the outskirts of the, of the, uh, this, the more touristy Stockyard area. And they were literally only about 200 yards away from all the, all the major traffic in that area. And... Um, the stockyards is where they have all the big rodeo shows. And if you're, yeah. if you're not familiar with that and, and the, so they finally got a spot. It was right there, right there in the middle of it. And so now they, they are moving the gallery there and it's been quite an undertaking. Of course, there's hundreds and hundreds of paintings in there. They have a frame shop and uh, a taxidermy shop and everything. It's, it's all under the same roof. So they have to move all of that. I don't know when they're going to actually have that squared away, but, I know that by the middle or end of March they'll be they'll be back open for business for sure. Very cool, very cool. <clears throat> so, uh, on a, another I guess front, speaking of you and Steve, uh, recently in Marvel uh, they announced, and I guess it's going to be it might actually be coming out the same week that this comes out. Um, but they introduced that R.L. Stein will be writing a Man Thing. Did you know about that, or was it something that they told you about, or was it a surprise to you? Well, no, I, I knew about it, and actually, I I thought I had the ear of somebody at Marvel who could um, get me at least maybe a one a one issue gig right drawing that, and nothing's had, nothing's come of that yet. Um, I haven't worked for Marvel in you know, for a long time. Um, and so there's no, all the editors that I knew, all the people that I would, you know, in the past could have called up and said, Hey, can you find out if I can get this gig? Um, they're all of course gone. The only one left is Joe Casada that I know personally. And Casada's not really, doesn't really, um, assign projects right now like that. So I'm still working on that. Cause I really would, you know, I'm not dying to do it, and I don't. I'm really awfully busy right now, but I would like to do that. And I, I think, I think it would behoove them for me to do it as well, because people associate Man Thing with me, and then you know, uh, certainly other artists, but me, me as well. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I, I did know about it. Yeah. 
See, th- th- that's one of the things, you know, just recently, I mean, Nova's been in the man thing, but I've just recently really got in the man thing, especially because they uh, released that uh, Steve Gerber uh, trade of man thing. And uh, when I yeah, when I got yeah. to your part in man thing, I mean, you were introduced in the man thing. Uh, you were introduced in Adventures in the Fear, and then you went all the way into man thing, getting his own series per se with man thing number one, so on, and so forth. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know. I think that, honestly, you have some of the most iconic art with Man-Thing, and it's just something that just stuck out to me. And I've been kind of on a horror comic kick lately, so to say. And so I've been reading a lot of, like, EC comics like Volta Horror and Tales from the Crypt. And, I mean, Johnny (laughs) Craig's kind of been sticking out to me. And, you know, at first I read Man-Thing before I started getting into EC, and I started seeing the Johnny Craig stuff. And I know that you're kind of into older, I guess, artist comics, especially with your Western and everything else. Did you take any kind of influence from those 1950s horror comics whenever you were coming up with Man-Thing art? No, not really. Um, I, um... You know, this will sound kind of strange, and I, and I, I'll qualify what I mean by this. But I'm not a really big comic book fan, and to, and what I mean by that is, yes, of course, I'm a fan of, of certain stuff, and of course, I like the medium. Or I wouldn't be working at it. But when I got into comics, um, I, I had no idea. I was an art major at at, at a at a state university in Ohio before I met Dan, and, you know, my, my, I was reading the Warren, the old black and white Warren comics, creepy and eerie, and um, because those comics were, were just published in black and white, there was a lot of gorgeous line work, a lot of great pen and ink work, and I really, really responded to that. And also then, it was, I think, in 1966 was the very first Frank Frazetta Conan cover, for Bantam Books, and I mean, I, I, these guys just knocked me out, man. These the, these illustrators from the from that era, um, I I just couldn't get over just their their skill and uh, their ability to tell a story with a picture. And um, so when I got into, you know, when I actually began working in comics, um, I, and when I met Dan for the first couple of weeks, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't, I didn't even know there were such a thing as comic book conventions, although they, they'd only been around for five or six years at the time. I had no idea that such things happened. I had no idea there was such a huge um, uh, a network of fandom. Um, and even without the internet and what we, you know, and, and podcasts and things like that, back then there were, there were so many fanzines and there was so much communication between fans that it was literally almost as frenetic as, as it is now. And, um, uh, and, and Dan would talk all about, you know, talk at, at length about the, the EC comics and the old monster comics. And he had a huge collection of them. And I, I, that was all new to me because when I was a little kid, I guess my parents didn't want me reading horror stuff or something. I don't know. I, for some reason, I just didn't. I read DC, you know, Superman, Batman. And then I, and then I read uh, the Dell comics, you know, Uncle Scrooge and mm-hmm. uh, Donald Duck and stuff. And so... I like that stuff. I mean, I really like that stuff. But the, but the guys that were doing the, the the horror comics for for the for Warren for Jim Warren, the creepy and eerie illustrators, I thought those those were the guys who influenced me. Um, and then and then coincidentally, then as just about the time Man Thing was launched, DC launched Swamp Thing, and you know Wrightson that was just he he was you know really he was he was just about reached his peak at that point, so he was really doing some great stuff. And so I used to 
feel like I was in competition with Bernie in, in a way because of um, we did two similar characters that were, you know, coming out, you know, at the same time of the month. And, um, and Bernie influenced me not to the point where I wanted to, um, you know, emulate him or anything, but just, you know, I, I could see the way he was, you know, doing a lot of really great work in that. And I, and I, I just tried to apply myself that work with, with man thing. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to ink my own books, um, which I wanted to do, but Marvel didn't let me do. And it, I think, the, I think some of the art is inconsistent based on who I had inking me at, at, per issue. Um, but I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I, I, um, I, I still draw, I mean, I still get requests for private commissions for that character. And when I'm doing them, I really enjoy drawing them. It's just a really neat character for someone who, who really likes, likes illustration. You know, there's just so much, uh, texture and so much, uh, you know, layers of, of stuff that you can, you know, draw or paint on demand thing. Um, and see, uh, that's the, one of the, the things, character. especially with the character, with your art, that's one of the things whenever I read the art, I've, I mean, I see the art from the different characters that did man thing. Um, yours is one of the most detailed. And so, I mean, I mean, going along with the anchor and stuff, you know, you have to have the right anchor whenever you come to detail, but I mean, just your art stands out the most more than anyone on man thing for me. Well, thanks. That's that's good to know. Um, I um, I yeah, I like I like that character. Um, <clears throat> also, in in think in, in someone was telling me about this recently, and I, I said I I had mentioned to you, you know, that I felt that I was in competition with Wrightson and Swamp Thing, and they said, well, yeah, but you know, they liked Man Thing a lot better because he, he was so much more interesting. First of all, he couldn't he didn't speak. He mm-hmm. The swamp thing, I guess, was just more simplistic, you know, just a guy that got, you know, messed up and now he looks like a monster, you know, whereas man thing had these other powers. He could, you know, he had these ultra, these, these cross dimensional powers. He could, you know, open up portals to other dimensions. Um, there were, you know, as, as he had psychic abilities, there was a, a more interesting history to him. And I guess people found that much more engaging. In, in terms of just, just the writing, you know, in terms of the writing that Steve was doing. Um, and that made sense to me as well. And I didn't, that didn't even occur to me back then. Back then I was just like, I was just comparing my art to, to Wrights and, and um, who was a friend of mine, by the way. I mean, we're not like close buddies or anything, but, you know, Wrights and I always got along really well. I, I always admired his work uh, a lot. And, um, but, you know, the storylines, you know, I think, well, I think what it was Len Wein writing Swamp Thing at the time yeah. and, and then Steve writing uh, Man Thing and, and Steve, you know, Steve just, you know, Steve just was like writing from his untrammeled id, you know, Steve would come up with stuff and just put it on paper and just let it fly. You know, I thought that was so cool. Very cool. You know, that, that's how we got Howard the Duck. You know, I mean, it was just, who, who else would have thought of that? Something like that. For sure. It's cool. I mean, I mean, it's always cool how you brought over, like, from Adventure to Fear, Howard and the Duck, into the Man-Thing 1, and then all of a sudden he's, like, gone. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool, you know. But it was always cool to see. It, it, I mean, as weird as it sounds, uh, I don't want you to take offense to this at all, but, I mean, reading that first appearance of Howard the Duck and stuff, it's just, like, it seems really kind of random for him to pop up, but at the same time, it makes sense with the cross of everything. And um, it ended up being really good. I mean, great character. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. And that character came about so spontaneously. And 
I mean, things were done so much more instinctively and easily those decades ago. I mean, if you were going to invent a new character now for, say, the Avengers, or you, you wanted to spin off a character from the X-Men and create some sort of a new little, some strange little creature, you, can you imagine the committees this would go through, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the constant revisions and, and decisions and meetings about, well, should we let this character... I mean, that's what would happen today. No, there, would, there would be no Howard the Duck today if that kind of uh, crap was going on. And cause Steve, Steve could not abide that sort of thing. Steve really mm-hmm. marched to the tune of his own drummer. And Steve just told me, here, make this duck look like, not, not like a cartoon, make this duck look like some you know, weird little stuff, you know, some weird little animated little guy walking around that could talk and he's a duck. And I just, I didn't even do any pre, I don't even recall doing any, hardly any um, preliminary sketches. I just, I just saw it. I put it on the page. Steve saw it. He loved it. Roy liked it. And that was the end of, and that was it. That was it. I mean, you you could never get anything done that easily today. Never, never with these yeah. with these characters and their and their franchises and their licensing. It would be a nightmare. For sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how you'd want to do some more man thing. Would you um, have you considered sort of trying to get um, maybe some more Howard the Duck work? Is that a character you'd like to revisit as well? Well, you know, they they redesigned the duck to the point where. I read a few of those issues, and the, the writing is okay. The, the, the artist who's doing it is, I think there's been one or two artists now, but the, art, the artist is very confident as an artist, but they've redesigned that duck. It, to me, he looks like a pigeon. It, there's just, it just has no, it, it has no, that jet, that duck just doesn't have the, the, the character and personality that, that it had when it, it was, you know, I, I think the guy that really took it, and the guy who, who should get more credit in this in this in this kind of re this um you know new interest in, in that character is Brunner. Brunner, I think, brought that character to a real interesting place visually. Because when I when I picked up doing the character later, after Brunner quit, and then and then Gene Colin took over, and Gene basically was just was just just going off what you know off what Brunner had done. And um, then I ended up doing the um, newspaper strip and, and, uh, and some more Howard the Duck comics, you know, fill-ins and, um, and one issue or two issue series. And um, I always look back at Brunner and Gene Colan's work and I thought, you know, I thought they brought that duck exactly where it needed to be in terms of, you know, visually in terms of what the character should look like. And so it resembled Donald Duck, yeah, well, so what? I mean, it resembled Daffy Duck, too, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, um, but now that Disney owns the damn, all of Marvel stuff, well, well hell, you know, you're going to, you know, they're never going to let Howard look, look like Donald. And, um, and, and there's other, many, many other ways that Duck could have ended up looking besides the way they, what they ended up with. I mean, I really do believe that thing, he looks like a pigeon. Um, and he's wearing the pants, and he just looks like you know a hobbit with a with a, with a pigeon's head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if they, you know, if I if I was to do the book again, it would be required of me, of course, to draw it like that. And I would have a really, I I, I wouldn't enjoy that. Tough time, I just yeah. wouldn't enjoy it. No. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm I'm looking on your website, and you have uh, a Spider Howard uh, 
uh, painting here. I'm surprised they haven't done that. They've done like, um, what is it, Howard, Deadpool, the Duck or something now. So they've done that, but I'm surprised oh, they haven't yeah, gone yeah. and done the Spider Howard yet. It looks great. I love that. <laughs> Spider Howard meets uh, ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Val, um, you mentioned uh, conventions. Do you have any upcoming conventions uh, these days? Um, fan fun days up in Dallas at the end of March. I'll be there. Um, I'm supposed to be a comic palooza, but I guess there's been a shakeup with personnel there. And, uh, the, the, I, I haven't heard anything from them. Comic Palooza in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to do as many Texas shows as I can, places that are, are relatively fairly close that I can drive to, um, Right now, I just just with certain family issues, it, it, it I try not to fly because it's just too far away, and I have to carry too much stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, it it's with with um with my family situation being what it is, I need to be pretty much able to get back here quickly if if need be. So um, there's that. And but 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 there's a, a convention coming up. Oh, I think towards the or like November, October, November, uh, in, in, um, it's a show in, uh, Lebanon, Missouri. And it, it, this will be their second year. Apparently they they, they've had their first show last year and, uh, and it would, went well and they, they made, you know, everybody made money. So they invited me up there. Um, I get, you know, kind of like just Hints, people dropping out, like if you will, if you know, let me know if you want to come out to the so-and-so convention in Phoenix, or let me know if you want to, you know, go here and out. Because I've got, I've got friends who are in that world, who are in that, you know, of, of doing shows, and and they they can, uh, you know, drop my, my name down with somebody and say, you know, would you like Maverick to be there? And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So it's just a matter of me making up my mind, when, you know, how often I want to go. Um I mean, literally, you can do a show every weekend. There's so many of them, mm-hmm. and uh, and in fact, that's how Neil Adams is just is about making a living these days. I mean, every show I go to, Neil's there. <laughs> we were and, just discussing uh, that actually with Neil. <laughs> yeah, and um, and God bless him. I mean, the guy is I mean almost 75 years old, and he's got all, he still has all that energy, and he sits there and he draws all show long. You know, it's just I got a hand with Neil. I mean, Neil's been. Uh, I, I worked at Continuity in New York with Neil back in the late seventies, and uh, learned a lot from Neil. Neil, Neil, really, with that, with the, with the way that that studio was set up back there in Manhattan in, in those days, that was like a, uh, a a center, a Parnassus for artists to come to, and it was like just a magnet for people to show up, even if they didn't end up working at the studio or working with Neil. A lot of people ended up renting space there and uh, working there, and everybody at some point would drop in and just, you know, let, you know, find out what Neil's up to and then let, let people know what they're up to. And it was just, uh, it was a great place. It was a, there'll, there'll never be a, a studio like that again. I mean, there'll never be with social media being what it is. People just don't need to gather in one place anymore. You know, they, they can uh, be pretty much anywhere they want to be. And it, it, uh, it was a great time. And, you know, I, 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 I got to hand it to Neil for for a lot of a lot of you know for a lot of the eccentricities that you hear Neil Adams stories about and you know Neil Neil did Neil helped out a lot of artists man he he really 
gave guys work on, in the you know he'd help he'd have guys help them do storyboards when they were out of work at comics and stuff. So I got no complaint for Neil, but he he he's a he's a he's one of a kind. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, Tap Nova Red, do any of y'all have any questions left? Um, I just have one quick one. I people would be upset if I didn't ask this because they were asking in our chats to to make sure that this was asked. But people kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were on the original Howard the Duck movie uh, that George Lucas did. Like, what was <laughs> sort of your? Because I mean, I grew up watching it. I, we just reviewed it for my other podcast, actually, and I still love it. Like it's, it's, it's not the comic, but it's it's what I grew up with. So like I still enjoy it. Uh, but being a creator of the character, and like you said, nowadays it looks more like a pigeon than it does, you know, uh, Howard. What do you think of the of the original movie? Well. There's a nice, there's an interesting little story with that. Bear with me here. I, I never saw the movie when it came out. Um, I, I, I got an, an invitation to go to the opening in Los Angeles in whatever year that was, 85 or something. And um, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And my, and Steve, Steve didn't like the movie. He, he had seen a preview of it and he, he just told me I, I hated it. He said, "Don't waste your time." So I didn't go, and I never felt that I really missed anything. And then over the years, it would show up on on cable, you know, from time to time. And I never took the time out to actually sit down and watch it. Usually, I just was was too busy or wanted to watch something else. So when I moved down to Austin, I met a couple of people who um, took an interest in in you know my past career and so forth so on and I, I don't know if you guys who is it that's from texas oh uh, yeah i am rusty okay and um you may be familiar with uh, the alamo draft house in oh yeah austin yes and sir. There, there's a theater there's a there's a, a a sister theater to that downtown um i forget the name of that theater but it's the same setup you can you can you can get stuff to eat and drink there and they show a lot of odd, you know, vintage films. And um, so they managed to get a, uh, this friend of mine had knew the people that ran that theater, and they managed to acquire um, a, a really nice old 35-millimeter print of the movie. And I had never seen it, really, before. And so this was when, like two and a half years ago, and I... I went downtown and watched the movie, and then there was a Q&A on stage afterwards uh, about the movie and me and, you know, what, I, what did I think of it. And I guess enough time has gone by, and, and I guess just as I'm getting older, certain things just don't bug me anymore the way they used to. Some things bug me more. They say you mellow with age. No, you don't. You just, you just, just, you just, your priorities change. That's all. Yes. But, um, but, um but, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I thought, you know, it was a, a really funny, kind of cute movie. And, and, you know, and the special effects for that time were pretty good. I mean, that was state-of-the-art stuff. And um, everybody was, was great. I mean, Leah Thompson was cute, and Jeffrey Jones was, was funny, and Tim Robbins, of course, overacted, but he was funny. And uh, 
the one thing that the only thing the only complaint I would have had, and I, and I don't know why they did. They kept saying they're in Cleveland. You know, okay, we're in Cleveland. Yeah, Howard, you know, ended up in Cleveland. And I think it just the least they could have done was send a second unit to Cleveland to get a shot of the lakefront and and what that city actually looks like because what they what 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 ended up you know uh, standing in for Cleveland there just didn't look like Cleveland at all. You know, I mean, it just didn't even. It's like they didn't even try, um, and especially some of towards the end when you see the you know the San Gabriel Mountains in the background, you know, and that and that scene with the airplane and stuff. I mean, you know, Cleveland is flat as a pancake. Ohio is just flat, flat state pretty much, and uh, you know, I, I would assume that nowadays they would probably, you know, with with the more all the different kinds of location shooting they do. Um, they would try a little harder to make it look a little more like where it's supposed to be. Because um, there are some very iconic buildings in Cleveland that you, you pretty much can't get around if you're actually in the city. The, the, there's a, a building they, they, in the center of town called the Terminal Tower Building. It was, it was designed and built by the same architect that, that built the Empire State Building. And it looks like a miniature Empire State Building. It's a it's a nice nice building, very representative of that era. And um, so you know, I mean, I, not that I'm I'm not a Clevelander, you know, by birth or anything. But I, I felt like that was the one thing that just kept jumping out at me. It's like this this is obviously somewhere in Los Angeles. You know, <laughs> give me a break. You know, and. Um, but other than that, I, I really enjoyed it. I just I just got a kick out of it. I mean, I, I it wasn't like the comic book. The, the 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 character I think was the best that they could do at the time. With you know, I think part I think it was part of three different things. One was a puppet, one was an animatronic, and one was just a a, a, a dwarf in a in a duck suit. Yep. Um, and I think I think they did the best they could with that. The only the only other thing I thought wasn't quite right was the voice. I thought Howard's voice should have been a little more caustic, a little more edgy. Um, the voice was a little too I don't know cartoony, but um, I I have no objection to that movie. Um, like I said, enough time has gone by, and I, I never invested that much into the character itself as Steve did. I invested, you know, myself in terms of what he looked like, but Steve, you know, that, that really, uh, that, that was an alter ego to Steve basically. So, and so Steve was going to be hypercritical of it. And, uh, so that's my take on the movie. Oh, fair <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine with me. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I have one question for you, but it can be off the record, okay? Because I, I sure. re- it's just something out of curiosity for me, okay? Uh, especially something going through Man Thing. Um, sometimes Man Thing, uh, I guess the the snout or the 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 things that are hanging off of his face, whatever you want to call them, um, yeah. in some of the pages, his face is red, and I thought it was like a lighting thing at first that maybe the colorist was doing, but then I noticed it in several issues. Is there a reason why sometimes his face is red and sometimes it's not? No, I, I have no clue, but I mean, other than then it, it would be situational. Was there, was, was man thing involved when his, when the color change took place? Was it as a result of some sort of conflict or some, something well, was see, going on in, in the story? See, that's something that I, that I always thought. I mean, 
I always thought it because most of the time you notice it whenever I guess like <clears throat> the the fear aspect comes in and it takes over and he starts turning into he has to touch them and melt them and kill them basically. Um, but I, I've noticed it mostly in that situ- situation. But then sometimes it'll just be like a a shocking moment, and um, I don't know. I, I never knew. I guess really if it was just because of conflict or if it was just something chosen by the person who was working on it at the time. I don't know. And there was never any, any, um, any comment on it in the, in, in the, in, in the copy and, and the characters or captions weren't in, saying like, Oh, you know, a man thing gets mad his face turns red. I mean, there was yeah. never any sort of, boy, I couldn't even, I, I don't have a clue. Oh, um, okay. That's fair enough. That, I, I, it was yeah. just something that I picked up rereading it. I was just like, I mean, I've never heard anyone talk about it. I've never heard it mentioned or anything, but sometimes his face is red and sometimes it's not. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> well, the eyes are red, and I suppose if he's getting more agitated, they were trying to maybe indicate that if the eyes would, would glow even more red, which would then reflect off the rest of his face. That, that's, that could that, be a possibility. That, that's the best guess I can come up with. Okay, cool, um, cool. <clears throat> awesome. Well, um, anyone else have any more questions? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, Val, we appreciate you extremely. We appreciate it you coming on the show today. Oh, no problem. No problem. I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. And um, I don't know if you already did, but if you could uh, send me your your uh, podcast info so I can oh, tune yeah. in and listen to it. Yeah, definitely. I will uh, email you right after this, and I'll give you a date on whenever this is going to come out, and um, I'll send you links to it. And uh, yeah, man, uh, I might even ask you about like you know your text experiences again. Maybe I can. Uh, I'll show up at one of these cons, and uh, we can have a conversation or something. That'd be great. That'd be great. Awesome. All right, All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much for coming on. No problem. You guys take care now. Good luck. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, bye. All right. It's that sexy portion of our time where we caress our comics and talk about the things we love. Everybody, what have you been reading this week? Well, <sighs> I mean, for myself, I haven't picked up my comics yet. You know, this from past Wednesday. So I haven't really caught up, but I've been reading, as usual, my man thing stuff. And, uh, <laughs> that just sounds so funny. Red starts <laughs> it off with something sexy, and you said, I've been reading my man thing yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been reading man thing. You know, I'm still on, uh, I'm out of the Val Merrick phase of man thing mm-hmm. now. So it's it's different i only got about 100 pages left before i start uh locking key for uh time i know right and then um i've also been going into my ec thing and um apparently me and nova were talking about it earlier and as i said the word trudge trudge is not the word for it because apparently it makes it sound negative it does but um yeah i mean i don't know there's just a lot of content man like there are so many comics like i was saying vault of horror probably has 37 issues something like that and then or not maybe not even that maybe like 32 issues and then uh tales from the crypt has 29 issues or something like that i haven't started like any of the uh the witch's cauldron stuff or the suspend tales or haunting hours stuff so there's a lot more to do i just it, it seems like it's never ending i'm not gonna 
complain too much because I'm enjoying it a lot. That's why but you just at the same time, I'm just like, take a break. Go read something else. Come back to it. That's what I've been having to do on a lot of stuff where that has like tons and tons of content. I'll be getting a little like burned out on that like one series. So I'll just like go start reading something else for a little bit. And then like a month or so later, I'll come back and finish off the one that has all that content. Yeah, see, that's why I'm going back and forth between the EC comics and then the man thing stuff. I'm keeping the horror. Thing, I was like, those almost sound a lot of different alike. companies. <laughs> <laughs> some, well, not, not really, but you know what I mean? Like the horror theme and the, yeah, but one's an anthology. You, you know, with the EC comics, you always get a new story. And then with man thing, it's continuous. So I have the long form and then the short form. Very nice. All right. Plus my Wednesday comics that I normally yeah. do, but I just haven't done it this week. So, mm-hmm. My pool is way, way too much stuff. There's, I don't know. Last week I picked up two weeks worth of it, and it was like $55 worth of comics. Mm-hmm. So. That's not bad. Thing is, though, it's like, how much of that do you still need to have in your pool box when you get everything for free each week? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, most of my stuff's in Marvel, and Marvel's stingy. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Gotta support the team. <laughs> You're stingy. Well, even Starlin said they were stingy. He said they don't send him reviews or anything either. So, I mean, if Starlin... He doesn't get comic bundles. If Starlin's not getting it, do you think you are? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's very true. Yeah. That's right. Um, I don't know. I've been reading so many different things. I don't even know. It's My question is more, what am I not reading? Um, Whoa. No, I don't know. I've This week... I started, uh, let's see, what all have I been reading this week? Punisher Max. I'm through volume two of that now, like the big, thick volumes. I'm through volume two of Punisher Max. So did you know what I'm talking about now whenever I said, do you like his grill? I don't remember that. Is that in volume three? Because I still still don't recall seeing that one yet. Isn't that with the dude with uh, the, what's his name, Barracuda? I'm not to that yet. That must be volume three or later because it's not in the first two. Okay, just keep. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Don't get me wrong; it's it's great. Um, so I've been reading a lot of Punisher, a uh, lot of Ghostbusters, because um, we're gonna be having Eric Burnham on the show here in a couple weeks. So, and I love Ghostbusters anyway. So I've been kind of like rereading some of the Ghostbusters stuff, um, which by IDW, which is absolutely fantastic. A uh, lot of Transformers once again, IDW. Um, Oh, and then obviously the Rebirth stuff that we do every week, but that doesn't need to be mentioned anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are kind of like the main ones I guess I've been reading. And then today I was like, you know, I need something different. I want something like just, you know, something different. So I was like, what am I going to read? So I was like flipping through and I'm looking at everything, kind of going through Comixology. And I was like, well, Nova seems to be a big fan of a thing called Saga. And uh, I've never read it, so let's check it out and see what all the hubbub's about, right? So I, I read the first probably three issues this afternoon of Saga, and, and? Uh, it's it's different. <laughs> <coughs> I mean, issue one literally starts off with, and pardon my language here, but verbatim. <laughs> Am I shitting? Yeah. It feels like I'm shitting. That's yeah. how issue one yeah. starts. <laughs> like, and you're like, what? And that just sets the tone for the rest of that issue. Um, yeah. It's funny. It has a lot of comedy to it. Um, it definitely feels like it's got a really strong underlying story as well. 
um, sort of like the main theme of the story as it goes on. There seems to definitely be some depth and whatnot there, which is cool. Uh, it's definitely something that I'll continue to read. Um, I don't know if I'll binge it quite as hard as I am Punisher and whatnot, but I will. Uh, I will definitely continue to read it. I also read some more of Sweet Tooth this week as well. Um, I'm slowly getting my way through Sweet Tooth, so. Tap, I'm going to say, you know, I'm a huge fan of Saga, and it's, as you get further into those issues, you're going to find it harder to put them down. Oh, and yeah? you're going to be forcing yourself to binge. Oh, you're okay. just like, oh my gosh, i got to get the next one and the next one. It's just unbelievable storyline. Like I say, it progresses. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I don't know, maybe around 7 or 8 is when it really, in my opinion, just kind of really took off to where I can't get enough of it. It's definitely interesting. Um, yeah. It's a, it's not meant for children, that's for sure. Oh, no. Uh, no, but it's definitely an adult yeah. book. Um, some of the character designs I really like, mm-hmm. uh, like Marco, I really like his character design. I don't know why. There's just something really cool looking about him. Yeah. Has it been the same artist for yeah. um, Fiona Staples? Saga? Yep. Yeah, yep. the whole time? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, and no. McFarlane Toys has done a nice little uh, set for them this year, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it more than some of the other adult titles out there. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll keep at it. Yeah, let us know when you. I also want to reach out to Outcast too. I need to get started on that one as well. Yeah, let me know when you do. Now that oh, Nailbiter's done. That's the one. Mm-hmm. I read Nailbiter thirty. Oh. Wait, the whole series. Yep, is Yep, it's done. Really? It ended this week with issue thirty. This last yeah. week. Yeah. Was there a reason why it was ending? Uh, Williamson just said it was time to end it. He a lot of his books okay. end around like ish, between issue like twenty and thirty. Like they don't, he, he doesn't have a lot of like books that go on forever. They all kind of end sort of along mm-hmm. that line. But yeah, Nailbiter issue thirty. Oh, I was sad to yeah. see that book end. I'll, I'll admit, I'm I'm at issue twenty five. I just wanted to wait a little while, and now it's now that it's nine. No, it's over. I'm just gonna have to read the last five and yep. be done with it. We'll see if it ever gets brought back. I think there's always an opening to bring it back. But yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I was sad. I love that book. But now that that one's done, I want to get into Outcast. I know Red, you were talking about Outcast yeah. in the past, and mm-hmm. I think you'll like it, knowing the stuff that you enjoy. Oh yeah, I'm, sure. I want to. I need to. But yeah, what have you guys been reading, Nova? What do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm sort of like you. I've been all over the place. I read a bunch of stuff this week. Um, Punisher it's Max fun as well. To be all over, isn't it? It is, but you gotta have the 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 mindset to the memory, the memory <laughs> and the mindset because it takes dedication as well. Just because some books are so damn good, you just want to read more. But I've had to. There's this like I've had books. I have these books where they're like eight issues long, so I don't want to finish the whole thing in one sitting. Just because I don't know. I just want to savor it. Um, but then stuff like Punisher Max, I've just been reading crap out of. What volume are you on on Punisher Max? Uh, I just started the second one, so it's the uh, Mother Russia the arc. Russian. Yeah. Yep. I've read it before. I know it's it's hot. Oh, it's every good. It's every bit as good as I remember it being. <laughs> yeah. Um, and aside from that, uh, there was something else that I just finished. Yeah, I finished the sword. Oh my god. Um, if you ever get a chance to read the sword, you really should. It is so. It you, is one that if I can find for cheap. Oh my to, god, to it's grab. so good! It was okay. such a damn good read. Um, yeah, lots of twists and really disturbing violence, and it's just so well done. Uh, highly Did it keep up with the uh, the supernatural? You said there was like a supernatural tone to it. Yeah, it's, that... 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, it did. Yeah, it uh, it it gets really trippy near the end as well. Just highly recommended. Cool. Yeah, All and right, um, I'll keep an eye out for it. The last thing I read was, uh, and I was talking to Rusty throughout the week about it. I've been catching up on the newest um, Captain America series, the uh, Hydra Hydra Cap stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about Hydra Cap, Red? No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to read all that stuff. Just from the, the posts and the things that I've you know seen online, that's about it. Uh, what was the most surprising thing for you in uh, Captain America? Uh, surprising? I don't know. I mean, the the huge twist. I sort of the most surprising thing for me is I think somehow this is all going to have to be like rewritten because they basically changed Steve Rogers' entire origin, like his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing it'll be rewritten or it'll. this is just the retcon they're sticking with. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's all... Yeah, cosmic, yeah, you know? it's all this Cosmic Cube nonsense, you know. With the Cosmic Cube, you can do anything. Like, you could rewrite whatever you yeah. want and all that jazz. You know, well, it, you gotta go through... it'll all fix itself during the next Marvel reboot. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. It don't matter. For sure. Now you got to go through all the Thunderbolt stuff, though, because it all yeah. directly ties. Yeah, I think I'm up to issue six, and they they showed the Thunderbolts with Kovic. I'm like, what the hell's going on? How many books do you have to read to keep up with this stuff? <laughs> it's uh, Uncanny Avengers. Oh my that god! One, and then it's and uh, it'll be Secret That's Empire. That's what I like about these indie books. Yeah. That's what you gotta like it's about good indie. stuff, though. I mean. You know what's even cooler is they announced that um, Jim Zub is going to be taking over on Thunderbolts yeah. with um, Jacinto. That's cool. So we'll see. Or not on. I'm, uh, I was on, like, isn't uh, he already Avengers. writing Thunderbolts? No, no, no. My bad. Jim Zub is going to be taking <laughs> over um, Uncanny Avengers with uh, with uh, Kim Jacinto. So. Okay, who's we'll who's in the Uncanny? I don't read much Marvel, as you guys know. Who's in the Uncanny Avengers as of, like, today? Okay, so it's a weird group. Um, there's Cable. There's Rogue. Um, there is Synapse, Brother Voodoo, Deadpool, um, the? Human Torch, <laughs> Quicksilver. Massive um, team. Captain America Steve Rogers. And there is... Um, who else is there? There's another person, um, Brother Voodoo. Uh, actually, I think Did that you, might be it. That might be. I thought there was one more X Men. Was Cable character. just and like a un- part timer, or was he there? Is did you meant, did you say Cable, or was he just a part timer for? Cable is still around. He was supposed to be a part timer, and then oh. he's still around right now. Oh, and um, Spider Man oh just popped God. up in the newest issue too. So like, what in the Peter world? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. Nobody's so. safe from the Avengers. <laughs> the Uncanny. Yeah, that's a giant yeah. team, ain't it? Yeah. That's a really and, random uh, team as well. That's like yeah, that almost like, sounds like like the Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> like Well what it's meant to be is um they're called the Unity Squad, which I mentioned before. Valiant. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh Steve Rogers put the team together. After the events of um, Death of X and uh, Inhuman, uh, Inhuman versus X Men, I guess I guess it's at the same time all this was going on um, to try and or reunite all the teams so they all get along on the same page. Because it's that's why he took some of the Inhumans, he took some of the regular Avengers, and then he took some of the mutants and because it all sounds like you have X Force, X Men, Inhumans, Avengers, Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and then like 
random characters. Brother Voodoo. Yeah, Brother Voodoo, <laughs> which I like as a character. Don't get me wrong. I do like Brother yeah. Voodoo. But you just have, like, random characters, and you just throw them all together. It's like you're throwing characters to a wall to see what sticks, and then... It's like they put all the Marvel characters in a hat. Whatever. Okay, we're pulling this. Exactly. Oh, exactly. That's it. Okay, that's what we're going with. They blindfold themselves and they're throwing darts at a board with pictures. And yeah. next thing you know, you're gonna have Squirrel Girl and uh, Gwenpool. Well, um, in the most recent. Oh Jesus! Issue, Gwenpool showed up, didn't she? <laughs> no, neither one of them popped up. I thought you were gonna but, say. Um, the reason why Spider-Man popped up is Red School actually took over the minds of uh, Human Torch. Uh, Rogue, Brother Voodoo, uh, Cable basically wiped his own mind so he couldn't do anything for Skull. And then, um, who else is it? Anyways, all of them are against, and even Quicksilver and Human, yeah, Quicksilver and Human Torch, but all of them are against Deadpool because Deadpool's mind can't be infiltrated for some reason because he's so messed up. And he hired on, he brought in Wang from uh Doctor Strange. Wong. Doctor Strange Wong. You did this last Wong. week too, Rusty. Yeah. Wong. They, brought in, yeah, they brought in Wong. Yeah. They brought so in a Wang and uh, the Wang can't penetrate. <laughs> they brought in the Wang cannot penetrate. So <laughs> But they brought in um they brought, oh, they brought in Wong and they brought in Spider Man to team up with Deadpool to take on Human Torch, Quicksilver, Rogue, Red Skull. Uh, oh my Brother God. Voodoo, uh, Synapse. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. uh, now the next issue is supposedly uh, Red Skull. It ended with Red Skull just beating the crap out of Wade and saying, "They say you can't die, but I'm gonna find a way to kill you." Cool. And so it's basically a torture. It was a torture wow. ending, and Wade was just kidding. But the next cover shows, like we talked about, Cable popping up. So we'll see what happens. All right. You gotta try the series though. I mean, it's. Pretty, it's the main one if you want to read Red Skull stuff. Yeah, you're just not selling me so. on it, that, to be honest. <laughs> it's just a lot of characters. In it just yeah, sounds random. That's my thing, is it just sounds very random. It's not as random as you think. If I mean, I guess you got to be keeping up with maybe correct and yeah that's my thing that's why i love like indie books so much is yeah you you don't don't have to read every title exactly yeah for the most part all books are self-contained except for like maybe like a big event like idw had the uh you know like the the hasbro event where like all the gi joe uh transformers and everybody all kind of crossed over into different books but aside from that you know, they're all self-contained. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you can't go wrong. If you just read Uncanny, Thunderbolts, and then the Captain America book, <clears throat> the, it, all three of those titles, like, they are phenomenal. Like, there is no hesitation. Like, you pick up, even though that you have to buy so many, it's, they're all quality books. And they all have side stories, too. So. Well, I do like Jim Zub, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, um, I like Jim, too. They're replacing Pepe Larraz with Kim Jacinta. <clears throat> So I'm wondering what's going to happen to Pepe Lorraine. Yeah, I like Pepe. He does good stuff. Yeah, Pepe's art and it was good. Yeah. Well, for myself, I've been, geez, I've been reading a lot. I don't know. I've been got three uh, novels from uh, Rick Riordan done this week, but I have been reading some comics. Um, this week, a few number ones popped out from Image. Uh, one I was really excited to get was uh, Jeff Lemire's Royal City. And, you know, he did the, uh, basically he wrote it and did the illustrations for it. 
Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Yeah, he did like same thing with Sweet Tooth. He wrote and drew it, and Mm -hmm. I think he. I didn't know he was an artist. Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's <laughs> under debate. That's what you want to call it. Uh, oh, no, he's, you, his, his art style is just very different. Um, it's different. Yes. Yeah. Good way to put it. Not it's bad, not bad. It's just different. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just different. You just takes a little getting used to. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you know, this was like 44 pages of uh, just stuff thrown together. At the end of it, you're just, you don't really know what you read. Welcome you're, you're thinking, to Lemire verse. <laughs> yeah. It's just basically my interpretation of it is there's, a guy who's in five different stages of life who's dead and the oh sounds ghosts, a lot like what's currently happening on moon night <laughs> and the ghosts are traveling to different family members that's the best guess that i have through all of it and it's being brought on by the guy's father's heart attack i guess i mean it just it, it's hard to say it's hard to follow Certainly interesting. Um, I'll see what issue two has to offer, and hopefully it'll tie in what some of the things are that had happened. I've noticed Lemire's <clears throat> current work, like Old Man Logan, Moon Knight, and now even this. It he loves jumping around all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Um, early Old Man Logan, early uh, Moon Knight. It was very straightforward story with nice little twists and turns that kept it really interesting and fun. But these last three or four issues on each of those books and now like you said mentioning that one too it sounds like it's the exact same thing where it's just a lot of jumping around it's weird. yeah it's kind of like you want to take a, a some scissors cut out the panels and reassemble it you know <laughs> it's like maybe you can put it in a different order makes sense um the other thing i picked up was extremity number one um as i mentioned earlier it uh sold out on day one and went to second printing on day two and i think it sold out because it's a image number one to tell you the truth uh the storyline in it there was not too much dialogue basically just a lot of um pictures telling the story and a lot of gruesome battles mm. it's supposed to be taking place in the future where everybody is like medieval warriors and going around killing each other hmm. uh, and your main heroes all have tattoos that look like band-aids over the uh, left eye uh, it's just again not too much really in this Hopefully, the series will pick up and some more interesting stuff will come out of it. Um, here's the th- yeah. here's, here, Maybe you can answer this question, Red. Here's the Sh- thing, too. When you say yeah. that it's an image one and it's sold out, it's mm-hmm. back into a second printing, etc. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, is how many issues was it? Did they only print 500 copies or did they print 5 million? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how many did they print? for it to sell out and go back. Cause I mean, you know, if they're only printing 5,000 copies or something like really low number. Yeah. Well, of course it's probably going to sell out. You know what I mean? So, well, I have to check on that one and and get back to find out. That's a good question. How that works. Cause I know that they do that with a lot of titles. Like it's going back into a second and third printing. Well, that's awesome. But at the same time, how many issues were being printed to begin with? Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of things lately also with image number ones is they're just quick to put them in second prints and a lot of people are quick to buy number ones now because they're thinking they're going to be worth something because like maybe like outcast or the fix or things like that where those number ones just really did take off yeah that makes sense do you feel like there's a bunch of bandwagon comic fans now too yes since all the movies yes they're all like all right we gotta buy i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't call them bandwagon fans because i don't think they're actually reading them i think they are uh, sellers. They're they're people that are buying cheap and trying to 
sit on them for a few years until a TV show comes out yep. and then sell their 30 <laughs> copies of Outcast number one. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're actual collectors. I think that they're... They're hoping to flip them and make a buck. Yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Like, I get it. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm I'm torn on people that do that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the other day I was in one of my Facebook auction rooms, and I was looking at this one post, and I, I just couldn't help but giggle. Um, the guy was trying to sell off 25 copies of Spawn number one. That's wow. what I'm saying. And he probably was selling for a buck a piece, but still. Like... <laughs> he was selling for more than a buck a piece. He's like, take the whole lot for, and it was like, a, it was a little bit more than a buck a piece. And it couldn't wow. have been too much more. Those books aren't really worth a lot because they printed so freaking many of them. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, I'd be interested in seeing what the print run exactly was. And I, you know, you got me wanting to do some digging to find out and, what it was. And I get it too, you know, like especially with a creator owned title, you're not real sure how well this is gonna go over. So you don't want to spend a bunch of money printing two hundred thousand copies yeah. to only sell fifty thousand, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get it if you do low print runs. I completely understand. I'm not knocking the business for doing that. I'm just curious when they say, Oh, it's back into a second printing, well that's great, but what was the first print? Yeah, and I think a lot of what they do also is they wait to see how many orders come in through uh, the comic shops nationwide, and they'll say, okay, like pre-orders this is... and yeah, yeah, and then they'll say, okay, well, we'll print X amount over, you know, what the shops have requested. I'm sure a lot of that is done by image as well. That way, they're they're not losing money. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It's a smart way to do business. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, other things I, I picked up Rat Queens number one this week. Um, have you guys been read the uh, first series of Rat Queens at all? I've never read Rat Queens, <laughs> but have. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on this I one. Think Nova has read the whole series, right? Nova? Yeah, I read the first series. All right, what do you think of the first series? Um, it was fun. I wasn't at, like I know people that love it, and I just didn't get that same feeling. I mean, it's a good series, and I enjoyed reading it. But <laughs> there are people who straight up love that thing to death, and will like. Mm-hmm. defend it with their dying breath but um i guess i wasn't one of those <laughs> yeah neither was i and you know the second volume to the series picks up right where the last one left leaves off and i'll tell you what um i forced myself to finish it it i just really didn't enjoy it that's um, i've actually heard that from quite a few people in chats and stuff they say the, the art, art yeah. really threw them off yeah. too oh my gosh yeah the art was was terrible i mean not as bad as the stuff i picked up last week but still you know but out of all but out of those three issues you know i saved the best for last and i felt some gratification on at least having one great title this week to read and that was the new uh think tank animal issue number one by matt hawkins damn oh my gosh this was really well put together as we know with matt hawkins when there's all the research that he does Mm -hmm. and things um basically you know we have our main character you know david lauren uh you know doing the, what he does best and you know the title's called uh, animal and basically the premise of this whole thing is that uh, his technology that he's done in the past has been changed by the government to be implanted into animals and these animals are now um turned into killing machines Ooh. yeah yeah it's uh actually really really well put together and you know and at the end of it all we had a uh, his father shows up 
is the it was, it was, is the art still in that? black and white or is it uh colored this time around it's colored. Oh, okay yeah it's cool. colored yeah uh it was really really well worth it if you, if you if anybody out there hasn't been reading any matt hawkins stuff you know especially the think tank series because i think this is actually the sixth volume in the uh, think tank set so great great information of course it's like in the back jesus uh five pages of his research you know the mm. uh, links and everything that he's done to get the information so That's yeah cool. good stuff on that um other than that i've been rereading the walking dead and yeah I think one of these days I'll get around to reading The Walking Dead. Um, I was actually flipping through one of the hardcovers at a store the mm-hmm. other day, and I was kind of just, you know, flipping through it and looking at it, and I'm like, hmm, like, I think I can just, it's going to sound so bad, I'm going to sound like a pretentious ass, but I just, I have a hard time getting into black and white books. Like, I like my books to have color that pop off the page and, you know, mm-hmm. like, really suck you in. Um, and so it sounds so bad, and I don't mean it to. Um, but I will also say I've never mm-hmm. once even given Walking Dead a chance, mm-hmm. uh, because I was like, oh, it's black and white. Now I've been wrong before where I've said something stupid like that and I go read it and I'm like, this is amazing. So, um, I'm, I've started flipping through it and I'm like, the art is still really good though. Um, yeah, it is. I was actually no. still really enjoying the art a lot on that book just as I was flipping through it and I'm like... I might be a dummy for not <sighs> catching on to this sooner. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm probably going to be kicking myself here in a month when I you, pick it up you, and actually read it. I know what I think you will too, because also knowing the type of stuff that you enjoy it is along that lines. Uh, Walking Dead is incredible. The comic, at least, I'm, and, you know, the first six issues are by uh, drawn by uh, Tony Moore. After uh, picking up with issue seven, then it goes into uh, Adlerd. And the art is phenomenal. Yeah, black and white. Yeah, you know what? I won't lie. There are some days, you know, I'm reading comics and I go to my Walking Dead and it's like, oh yeah, black and white. Okay. But you know, after the first couple pages or panels, you kind of you really forget about it because the art is that good inside of it. Um, I would say the first twelve-ish issues are decent, but it really starts picking up. I think around thirteen by the time you get to issue twenty-seven. You're hooked. You want to binge read the crap out of it. Because 27 is where the first issue of The Governor pops up. And that's kind of how I felt, too, about uh, Invincible. I got through the first, like, 20 or so issues of Invincible, and I was like, all right, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep reading it. But once I hit, like, issue, like, 25, 26, something like that, I was like, all right, game on. And I, like, yeah. binge read Invincible mm-hmm. for a month straight until I got caught up. Um and I think that might just be the way Kirkman writes. I think it's just sort of mm-hmm. a slow burn. I've noticed that seems to kind of be a trend with some of his stuff. So Yeah. And like I said, it's different than the TV show. If you watch the TV show and think you know the comic, you're wrong. Because people exist in one that don't exist in the other. People die that don't die. Things happen. Um, okay. Well, basically, that's good. Cause... a lot of blood, a lot of sex, a lot of nudity, a lot of twists, turns, and things you just would not ever expect. Things that they just cannot put into the TV show. Um, I, God, I, I, I can't. I don't even know where to begin with it without spoiling it, some of the stuff. You know, kids that do things that you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, they can never put that in TV. <gasps> so, Nova, you've read the whole series, if I remember correctly, right? 
Yeah, I've read not the whole series. I've read the first hundred and twenty issues, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I tried rereading it again. Couldn't really do it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those books where once you've read it, going back, sort of like, oh, I know what's gonna happen already, and some of the the dialogue's tight, but it's not. Um, yeah, you know. It's not like one of those, like a Grant Morrison book where you go back and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed this the first time. Yes. Yeah. It, it does that. No, it does that. And, you know, for our listeners out there, you know, uh, should be out by now, at the time of this podcast, but uh, doing a Walking Dead comic versus the TV show comparison on our YouTube channel. Check that out. A lot of cool things in there. For instance, for, you know, you guys know, uh, uh, Dwayne Jones and uh, Morgan Jones in The Walking Dead, at least in the TV show, right? You guys know Morgan, right? No. I quit okay. watching the show like in right. season three or four or something like that. Yeah. I was in four mm-hmm. or five when I stopped watching Walking Dead. I still keep up with it because, you know, mm-hmm. I have to do all the pop nerd uh, yeah. reviews every week. So I read about what goes on, but I don't yeah. honestly know. Well, if you remember the first episode where the little boy uh, bashes Rick in the head with a shovel. Do you remember that scene at all? In the very first episode? Very first episode of The Walking Dead TV show. I'm trying to think. This is after he wakes up at the hospital. Yeah, he wakes up in the hospital. He's out walking around and he gets hit in the head with a shovel by a little boy. Yes, I do. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, his son. What was no, it wasn't name? his son. Um, it was by uh, Dwayne Jones, this, uh, Morgan's son. Well, Yeah, that's what I was yeah. saying, Morgan's son. Well, yeah, nice, cool little tidbit. The name... Uh, Dwayne Jones is the name of the actor that played Brian in the original Night of the Living Dead movie, 1968. Ah, nice little Easter egg. Oh, yes, cool. and yeah, and there's just so many Easter eggs within the comics and in with the show that you just would be completely surprised by it. So I'm covering a lot of that stuff within the YouTube. So if you out there like The Walking Dead, wanting to learn these Easter eggs, boom, here's your place to get it all. So. Uh. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, we covered everything. Wow. Well, in that case, time to wrap things up. 